Good afternoon and welcome to the business community on Calon FM. Welcome to the business community with me, Tracy Jones. And me, Heather Noble. And this week, I'm fresh from my holidays. I'm feeling ready to go on another holiday, but I just popped in to do a radio show. That's commitment, that is. That's real commitment, isn't it? Also, I'm I'm afraid my head's all over the place. I'm still in Devon in my head. But I'm bringing us back down to earth by talking about qualifications. And um, we have the A-level results out next Thursday, GCSE results the following Thursday, all sorts of other results are, are being published, probably as we speak. And one of the important things is to remember is, in the words of Rich Brady, one of the former um, guests on the show, results do not define your future. You may deem your grade as a great success or an utter failure, but you are ignoring an important factor what you can do next. Very wise words. And that was accompanied by a word cloud, um, which Rich put in, which I'm assuming is everything that he's done through his career. Uh, It's quite interesting from um, failed A-levels, failed Royal Navy application, foundation engineering course, all the way through barman, waiter, assistant manager, backpackers in Australia, inspector of optics in the space industry, all the way through to MD of his parents' company, um, working um, for clients and the community. And he finishes off with still making mistakes every day. So inspired by that, I thought I'd make a list of um, all the jobs that I've done. And these are roughly in, in a sort of order. So accounts clerk, shop assistant and summers rep, graduate trainee, trainee auditor, assistant accountant, Samaritan volunteer, treasury risk analyst, financial controller, company director, sessional lecturer, business mentor, bookkeeper, artist manager, hypnotherapist, trainer, freedom of information act administrator, radio, radio presenter, production administrator, founder of a membership organisation, non-executive director, accountant, HR manager, IT manager, finance director wow in roughly that sort of order and most of those overlapping with each other I didn't that wasn't what I set out as, as my CV it's a higgledy-piggledy sort of path that I've taken so really results don't define your future it's the choices you make along the way and sometimes you have to make a choice uh, to go backwards to go forwards again a friend's daughter um, was was talking um, this week with me and she was saying that um She's decided not to carry on with the university um, course that she's chosen. And she saw that as a failure. I was like, no, you made a proactive decision not to do it. They didn't let you go. You let the university go. That was a really strong Mm -hmm. choice. She could have soldiered on for three years doing a course that she wasn't enjoying. And I think she made a really proactive choice to make a change. So that that's me on my hobby horse with qualifications. Uh, Heather, you've been doing a bit more serious research than that. Well, I agree with everything that you've just said. And, and, I, and I saw Rich's um, word cloud and I thought it's fantastic. And it does make you reflect on the journey that you've come along. But the results that come out next week, uh, the A-level results... From a business point of view, they have a massive impact because the people who are who are getting their results next week will be the employees of the future, will be the graduates of the future, will will shape industry and business. Uh, and that's kind of why we thought that we'd take a look at it, because even though it's, you know, every household all over the country is probably, you know, being touched by some youngster who's, you know, nervously chewing their nails. Um 
we thought that we'd look at it from a business perspective. And I think the first thing is that there has been this massive reform in the way that A-levels are graded. Once upon a time, if you got a one in something, that was better than if you got a nine. Oh, no, not anymore. You imagine number one position. Yeah, number one sounds like top. Yeah, yeah, top notch. Can't get better than one. Exactly. But no, no, they've changed that. So now nine is the best and one is the worst. So that in itself has has, um, presented a problem for employers and a few universities needed to get their heads around that as well. So that's the first flag that I would wave is that we need to understand what the information is that we're reading because when we start receiving CVs from prospective um, employees, we need to understand that we don't we don't want to miss an opportunity because when you're doing that fast sift of CVs, it's it'll be so easy to just go nine nine. I don't think so, <laughs> and actually, you know, they're they're the the creme de la creme in their field, and then on that, then I started to look at what were the most popular. Um, what were the greatest pass rates and what were the most popular A-levels? Um, and business studies, as you might expect these days, appears quite highly. Um, and yet communication studies, and that's my thing, isn't it, feature really low, as do ICT. Because everybody has computer expertise now, I guess. So the need to study it as a specialist subject is, is perhaps is perhaps reduced. But what I thought was really interesting is maths ranks at the top. Psychology ranks really highly, uh, as does media, film and TV studies. So some of the more, you know, the sciences, modern languages, music, um, they all, you know, they're all falling by the wayside. Uh, and yet... Everybody wants to be in business. Everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. Everybody thinks that having an understanding of business is is the great thing. But when you look at the most employable degrees, the most employable degree is medicine and dentistry. And when you and business studies ranks at nine. So there are all these people doing business studies because they think it's going to help them in the world of work, and yet Medicine, it goes medicine, veterinary science, um, subjects allied to medicine, architecture, building and planning, education, engineering and technology, computer science, maths, business studies. So I just think that's a really interesting list. And of course, you're more employable because less people are taking some of these courses. But when you're when you're viewing your choices and when you're viewing what you've achieved, it's very much more about what you then do with it. And I think that there are almost some conflicting messages there. Uh, so from an employer's point of view, you kind of have to look beyond yeah. what, you know, the grades and, and the, the chosen uh, subjects because it's about the individual. I think a lot of um, looking through CVs that I've done recently, I, I give a lot of weight to experience yes. as well. And you're looking for... Um, a roundness of personality as well. It's difficult, isn't it? For a young person now, you've got to have your qualifications, you've got to have experience, you've got to do so much that is expected on your CV that it's almost impossible to achieve, isn't it? But I would say that having some sort of work experience, even if it's not in the particular field that you're doing, shows some sort of get up and go, some some willingness to, to actually go out there and, and be involved in the real world. And as we all know, 
the further into life that you get, the further away from your qualifications you get, the less significance they have. You know, I'm 51 years of age. If I started listing my O-levels, people would go, yeah, really? Can you remember your O-level grades? Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, I didn't do A-levels. But, you know, it's by the by, really, you know, that I, you know, that I did art or I did this or I did that. It doesn't really matter. It's... It's that wealth of knowledge and experience that you take for you, that you move forward into. Um, certainly, from an employer's point of view, I think is key. Okay, so let's just say good luck to everybody who's uh, going to get their A level and O level results, and just try and remember um, something that Ken Robinson, who we're going to be mentioning later in the show, he's he's our guru later. Um, Education isn't necessarily linear. We tend to think of it, you start here and you go through this, this, this and the other. And actually, it's far more organic than that. So, you know, it doesn't mean that you have to, you've totally failed if you need to take a different path. That's not, there are no straight lines in nature, are there, Heather? No. And one thing that I have um, got here that I'll put on our website, which is the business.community, is what to do if university isn't your thing or you haven't got your grades what else can you do and there's a really useful link um, to alternative options that I think people might find interesting so this is the part of the show where we look at news and events and things that we think you might find useful and I've got a couple of things for you I've got a big long list of um, recruitment fairs that are running right the way through to the end of the year which of course for those um, for those people who are getting qualifications and making decisions about their future uh, are really helpful really useful whether it's apprenticeships or whether it's just general recruitment but also from an employer's point of view uh, there's a whole raft of events all over the country, um, some nearer than others that I think are a great resource for looking at what's out there, what your competitors are doing. Uh, it's just a great way to, to, to get, get immersed in the, um, the world of work and see what other people are doing. So I'll put, some, I'll put a link to that on our website. And then also an organisation based here in Wrexham. Um, oh, Tracy. Tracy's got a cough. Um, uh, based here in Wrexham, uh, developing skills to strengthen your workforce. So, okay, you might have people already within your business and you need to do a bit of a training needs analysis to see what additional support they would benefit from so that they can then serve your business uh, more efficiently. Uh, and so I'm going to put details of Kickstart to Employment on the website too, because um I think that's key. And then finally, one other thing that I found and I unearthed while I was just doing a bit of research is a website called Glassdoor, glassdoor.co.uk. And they have a section which reviews companies. So what are companies like to work for? Now, of course, you will get some people who have got a bit of a, a you know, a grudge against their, their employer and they might be a bit disgruntled and write a few things. But actually... If you take the sort of balanced view, it, it's it's a really interesting resource. So if you're thinking about making an approach to an organisation, and hey, if you're running an organisation, you might want to check out whether anybody's been putting information about you on there, then it's worth taking a visit to glassdoor.co.uk forward slash reviews. Details of all of this on the website. What have you got, Tracy? Okay, so bearing in mind we're looking at qualifications and um 
employment, I wanted to mention again, because I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago, um, the worldskillsuk.org website, and they've got World Skills Live event. It used to be called the Skills Show, and I've taken um, my children there, uh, and I will be taking them again this year. And it's the UK's largest skills, apprenticeships and careers event. It's being held at the NEC in Birmingham from the 15th to the 17th of November. It is free. And I have to say, having been there before, there is something for everyone. Even if you want to go to university and you know for definite that you want to go to university, you can still explore different careers. Um, and there's everything from plastering and building through jewellery making, hairdressing, to um, engineering and aeronautics and all sorts of robotics and, and so much that you can't really get through it all in one day. So the, the best advice is to pick a, a zone or two that you might think you might be interested in and just go and really do it. And there's some great experts there. There's people there who are masters in their field and they're really enthusiastic so last year we were looking at engineering um, engines you know for formula one vehicles and the, the guy was just talking so enthusiastically and the, the kids got involved and then they were making bridges out of spaghetti and marshmallows and and but there are also some of the younger people who are employed by these companies as well so it's not just the recruiters there it's actually some of the young people and some of the most articulate and genuine young people um, I couldn't have wished to meet they were lovely and, and really a good advert for the organizations they were working for so that's at the website is worldskillsuk.org we'll put the link on our website the business.community but while I was looking for that I also found worldskills.org which is the, the international version of the UK one and there was a career personality test on there so at survey.worldskills.org again we'll put the link on the website you could put in now it was aimed at, at younger people but it didn't it didn't leave me out when I said I was 47 you put in your current job and you don't necessarily need to be working but you can put that in and you answer a number of different questions and it gives you a profile so your personality profile compared to the profile expected for your current job and compares mm. the two so I thought this was really interesting and the areas that we looked at were um, realistic, investigative, artistic, social, enterprising and conventional. And you can I, I put in one of the roles that I do um, and it, it was quite interesting. It did come out with a personality profile that I did recognize and that isn't always completely aligned with some of the roles that I do because sometimes you do stuff not necessarily because you're fantastically passionate about it but because you you're good at it and yep. you can do it and it pays you well yep. so that was really interesting but it also gave five top jobs from that personality profile and then it was broken down into specific jobs within there so for example instructional designers and technologists was broken down into chief technology officer director of educational research and product strategy um, senior analyst of IT 
um, lead performance support analyst, learning development specialist. And then you could drill down into each of those and find out all the details of those jobs. It was absolutely fascinating. And for a free resource from a reputable source, because not all of these tests are completely Mm -hmm. reputable, but this one was great. So I would highly recommend that one. And finally, just a resource that I've always found really useful. um, And it's a book by a lady called Barbara Sher. I think that's how it's pronounced, S-H-E-R. I do apologise if not. And it's what to do or what do I do when I want to do everything. And it's a a programme for people that like to do lots of things um, like me. And you're not quite sure what you should do. And and I think it's summed up perfectly by one of the reviews uh, on Amazon, um, a review by T. Marshall. And the headline is just, see, I'm not a flake after all. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that may resonate with a few people. But... It, it suggests that it's for somebody who's perhaps doing a midlife career review. But actually, if you're not sure what you want to do, it's uh, early on in your career, it's a way of perhaps um, mining through all of your experiences and finding out what, which direction you might want to go into. If, you know, and not necessarily putting the pressure on you to find that one perfect direction that you want to take. So this review by T. Marshall says, if you've never been able to make up your mind what to do with your life, if people are always on at you for leaving projects half finished, um, then this is the book for you. And she introduces us to a type of person she calls a scanner, someone with abilities and mindset and sends them off into fascinating directions. And we can be really, really good at a wide range of things. And the thought of specialising in one area for the rest of our lives feels like death. The trouble is we can begin to panic, thinking there will never be time for everything we want to do. And I can Uh, underline this is a fantastic book with lots of practical suggestions techniques and exercises for example a scanner day book where you invest in a large blank book which you know that's great a journal I love a journal and then when you have new ideas and interests you write them down you sort of capture them there not necessarily to do anything with but you're you're capturing them in one place and it's uh, okay to write an idea for down for everything without ever following it through it just gets you through that whole process of you know your mind's wandering off you capture it into that one place so yeah that's called what do I do when I want to do everything highly recommended and um, also highly recommending the skills show as well you are awesome yes you are and that's the title of a book by Matthew Side, one of the gentlemen that we've featured on the show previously. And this is a lovely book that I bought for my son a few weeks ago. And it's um, it, it's written in the style of um, all the books that are really quite popular at the moment. There's cartoons and there's big writing and it's, it's quite interactive and uh, jokey in the way that it's written. Um, and I I likened it to a Tom Gates book. So if any of your children read Horrid Henry or Tom Gates, it's got that similar sort of feel. And it's it's for all those, well, I say children, but actually I think this could be read by adults quite easily. For anybody who goes, I can't do maths, I'm no good at sport, I can't do exams, I'm no good at this, can't do that, whatever. And so you don't try. And this book is about saying that you can do it. You put your mind to it. And um, it's been described by many as inspiring and empowering, giving 
confidence to realise your potential. And and, the, and one of the key tenets is that success is really earned. It, it's not given and that talent can be acquired, but it takes hard work. It takes determination, practice, self-belief, and more importantly, da, 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 growth mindset. This is a big thing in primary schools at the moment. In fact, my son had a quick flick through the book when I first went <laughs> bought it for him, and he went, Oh, it's all about growth mindset, thinking that I was giving him a, a textbook for school. But actually, growth mindset is great. It's the comparison, sorry, the opposite is a fixed mindset, which is essentially, yeah, I'm no good at sport. I can't do maths. I struggle with exams. And the growth mindset is saying there's no reason why you can't achieve anything. Um, and and Yolo's um, feedback on this, he was going to take it on holiday last week. He forgot he left it behind. He was really apologetic. He said, what will you do now, mum? I said, well, we'll just have 15 minutes of silence while we reflect on that. <laughs> <laughs> so he gave me a, a little bit more information. He said, well, OK, OK, I'll, I'll look through this. I said, I think that I would read this in two weeks <laughs> and that I would enjoy doing some of the things in that book. But now, the reason I, I bought it for him was because he's very interested in a lot of things. But I think, as with a, um, a lot of people, thinks that if he's not naturally able to do it straight away, then he's no good at it. So I, I take, for example, the guitar. He's been playing guitar for just over a year now and he struggles with the concept of practice. Yet when he does practice, he's much, much better. But I'm trying to get him to see that that's, you know, that's the direction he wants to go. He wants to be better at guitar. He sort of needs to get into that whole routine that actually practice does make perfect. Uh, same with football skills. He's been learning football skills and and he actually puts it into practice and you can really see the difference. So I, I think, you know, for him, it, it's a, a great book and it's packaged in a way that's really accessible to him. Heather, I see that you're holding a copy, so clearly you've read it yourself. Yes. What did you pick up from this? I know this was totally my suggestion because I just bought the book for my yep. son. And I'd never come across it. And I thought that looks like a book that I probably need to own. Uh, and it's fantastic. Yes, it is aimed at young people, but oh my goodness, so much of the stuff in it is stuff that, you know, has been written, regurgitated, spoken about, uh, you know, it, it, it's all in there and it's just taking you back to basics. And he, he uses, um, Matthew Syed uses his story um, of as, of being a, a fantastic table tennis player. And he uses that as, you know, the sort of, you could take one path or you could take the other. And he uses sport analogies quite a lot. He talks about uh, Serena, Serena Williams, Williams yeah. and also David Beckham. And a point that he raises, that I think is really powerful, really valuable is that we look at the likes of Serena Williams, David Beckham, whoever it might be, somebody who's good, you know, a fantastic musician, a dancer, an artist, whatever it might be, somebody who's really quick with their mind, know loads of stuff, can recite plays, you name it. We only see them at the success end of all of that. We don't see all the hours of hard slog and all the, you know, all of the attempts at keepy up he uses the example with David Beckham he says how many keepy uppers can you do I reckon I might manage four at a push if the ball is bigger than usual David Beckham could do three when he was seven so basically the same as you or me at seven but he kept on and kept on and kept on and kept on and I think one of the biggest challenges that we face is that we live in a world of instant gratification 
And so everybody sees on X Factor or on the TV or whatever, everybody is successful. On social media, everybody appears to be living the high life, living the dream. You know, they, they're always on exotic holidays. You don't hear about the five years they've spent saving up to go on that exotic holiday. They've got the car. You don't hear about, you know, when they had to cycle everywhere or get the bus. So we live in a world of instant gratification and we need to remember that anything is achievable, but sometimes it takes time. And I think that that's one of the most valuable lessons that this book gives us. And it's true of business as well. Yeah. You don't go, you know, I started my own business nine years ago and I can remember going out and about and seeing people and thinking, oh, my goodness, they've got everything. You know, they've got website, they've got business cards, they've got flyers, they've got this, they've got that, they've got promotional brochures. And then I realized that a lot of them were franchisees or they were part of um, network marketing. And suddenly it's like, right, OK, so here I am nine years in. I've built my brand from nothing, from a blank piece of paper. So... But now people say, oh, you know, you're very successful. Well, what is success? Yeah. Two, what about the nine years when, you know, I was slogging my guts out? You know, people don't see that. So I think from that point of view, as an adult, it's a fantastic book. Now, it's got its own website. Mm-hmm. So you can find it on Amazon. But its own website is youareawesomebook.co.uk. And from there, I found out that there is also now a You Are Awesome journal. And so there's practical exercises and forms and journals and stuff that um, that people, I won't say children, people, people can fill in. So that's really worth taking a look at. I must add that at the same time as buying this for my son, I bought a book for my daughter. She's slightly older and it's called The Art of Being a Brilliant Teenager. And this is by a um, gentleman called Andy Cope Um Andy Whitaker and two others quickly trying to find Daryl Woodman and Amy Bradley. And it's for those um, those teenagers in our lives. Do you catch yourself saying that life's unfair, <laughs> that you're a victim of having too much homework or blaming your mum when you can't find your favourite T-shirt? Oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> so I, I, I bought this for my daughter and she read it straight away. Instantly, she was completely absorbed by it and thought it was really good. So, yes, you're a teenager. You're under massive pressure. But don't just sit there and grumble, essentially, is what this book says. How about getting motivated, energized and start making a difference instead? And the art of being a brilliant teenager teaches you how to become your very best self and how to figure out, figure out who that is. Who is your very best self? Oh, gosh, I haven't found that out yet. (laughs) Find your way to becoming brilliant at school, at work, at life in general. Discover the real you and what you want out of life. Heather, you better get this one. Yep. Yep. Stop moaning. Get moving now while there's plenty of time. Lose your bad habits before they become your personality and figure out how you want to contribute and find a way to do it. Now, my 12-year-old daughter, soon to be 13, Rose really highly recommended this one. And I've got to say, as the parent who bought this for her it was extremely gratifying that she opened it and read it straight away so that's the art of being a brilliant teenager and the other book is you are awesome by matthew side we'll put links to both of these on our website thebusiness.community this week we're talking about a man who was born in the uk in 1950 Uh, he came from a working class family in liverpool he now lives in Los Angeles and he is the, well, he he 
gives the most watched TED Talk of all time. 52 million and counting. 52 million and counting. And the talk is called Do Schools Kill Creativity? And of course, sticking with the education theme that we've been covering today, uh, that is a really interesting question. Sir Kenneth Robinson, um, who is uh, Director of Arts He was Director of Arts in Schools from 1985 to 1989, Professor of Arts Education at the University of Warwick up until 2001, and is now Professor Emeritus at University of Warwick, knighted in 2003 for services to the arts. He is... Slightly bumbling when you appear when you look at him. He's not. He's not. He in looks the like sharpest a university suit. professor. He does. He? Yeah, he, he looks. <laughs> yeah, and he has the most engaging manner. He, he's funny. He's gentle. He's real. He, yeah, he's fantastic. And Second favorite guru. He, yeah, I mean, he's ranking high. He's ranking high. It, it, him and Ernesto Soroli. I mean, yeah. It's a tricky one. I think um, the more I see of this guy, perhaps he may then overtake our beloved Ernesto. But um, just because he seems so approachable, so touchable, so just like one of us. But his idea of schools killing creativity, he, he talks at length about how we place a huge amount of importance on mathematics and the sciences. And in fact, he says that if you landed from Mars and, and came to Earth and looked at, particularly in the UK, the, edu- um, the uh, education uh, system, you would say or could be forgiven for saying that the purpose of education is to create professors. And actually, it isn't because if everybody was a professor, where would we be? What would we wear? What would we do? We wouldn't have all of the computer. We wouldn't have half of life. Uh, it would just be fairly dull, fairly humdrum. So I'm loving the way that he that he works and the way that he thinks. And he said he said one thing. I have a brother who's a professor, and this so resonated with me because he is so different to me. Uh, and he said prof- this. Um, Ken Kenneth Robinson said professors live in their heads. They see their bodies as a mechanism to transport their brains to meetings, <laughs> which I just think is, is, is so true. Just, yeah, just a great guy. Just a great guy. What do you think of him? You suggested him. So I did, what do you yeah. think of him? So I suggested him because we were talking about qualifications and education um, in this show. Then remembered that I had one of his books on my shelves and it was a book that I'd picked up for free at some events that people were giving books away and I'd not read it. So I I took it away this week while I've been on holiday and it's called The Element, How Finding Your Passion Changes Everything. And some of the things in the book he refers to in his various TED Talks, but essentially the element refers to the experience of personal talent meeting personal passion. And he says that um, we f- most find ourselves when we're inspired at, and then we'll achieve to our highest level. And so he, in this book, he, he talks a lot about how people found their element and you know how often they were written off at school. And one of the very first ones, he does refer to her in one of his TED Talks, is Gillian Lynn. And at the age of six in the 1930s, school approached her, her parents and said, 
we think she's got a, a learning disability and she needs some attention. So um, Mrs. Lynn took her six-year-old daughter to a psychologist, explained all the problems and this very um, thoughtful, insightful, inspired psychologist, you would say, um, at the time where they didn't have the definition of ADHD, so they, they couldn't use that and they, they weren't going to put her on the drugs to calm her down. Um, sadly, that probably would happen now. Mm. Um, this psychologist just said um, to Gillian, I'm just going to speak to your, your mother now. So you just sit here and wait and we'll go outside the room and talk. And as he left the room, he put the radio on. And when they got outside the room, the psychologist said to the mother, let's just watch. And they left the daughter for a little while and she got up and started to dance to the music on the radio. And the psychologist turned to the mother and said, your daughter isn't ill. She's a dancer. Take her to dance lessons. And Gillian Lynn became a dancer for the Royal Ballet. She got to work with um, Lloyd Webber at theatres. She's got her own dance school. She's a multimillionaire. And she would have just been told to calm down and take her drugs by you know another psychologist so that's one of the examples there are other examples in the book like Paul McCartney Matt Groening who invented the Simpsons Meg Ryan um, and Richard the physicist Richard Feynman but he also talks about the fact that um, Einstein for example when he got stuck with his physics he would go and play his violin he needed this other outlet to enable his brain to work. And he talks about the fact that Gillian Lynn needed to move and to dance for her mind to work, to think. And Richard Feynman, the, the physicist, was a, a rock musician as well. It's, it's about balance. And I think that's one of the things that he really um, promotes in this book and also in, in all the talks I've seen on TED Talks is that it's about balancing everything, giving equal balance to sciences, mathematics, languages, humanities, arts and physical education because he talks a lot about the the hierarchy of, of being, you know, the sciences and mathematics most important, then languages, then humanities, then arts and, you know, sort of drama and physical education way down at the bottom. And... Uh, so I, I've seen all the TED Talks. I'm one of the 52 million that's seen the TED Talks. Probably added to it by watching it more than once. Um, and I also listened into a podcast on the BBC. So there's a, a series of podcasts called The Educators. And um, in this podcast, he was challenged by the interviewer, Sarah Montague, on dance. And she said, do you really, do you really think that dance is important as mathematics? And and Ken Robinson very strongly defended that view several times because she kept putting it back to him. Surely it's not as important. And he said something which I thought was adorable. Children are not brains on a stick. So there needs to be equal balance. He's not saying that dance is better than mathematics. And he admits in this book he, he wasn't, um, he didn't enjoy mathematics. He didn't feel he was good at mathematics. But that isn't the reason he's saying that dance is important. He said there should be equal balance to sciences, mathematics, languages, humanities, arts and physical education. And Sarah went on to say, well, what would you say if he walked into your ideal school? What would it be like? What would you experience? 
And he says a whole range of activities. There'd be lots of interaction. Everybody would be working with each other. You wouldn't be separated by age. Different age groups would be working, different subjects. You'd be doing activities and you'd be doing inquiry and you'd be doing all sorts of project work. He said that's his ideal school. And when I thought about it, that's sort of what we want in the workplace, isn't it? So the whole idea, he talks about how education is was designed for industri- in the Industrial Revolution. But it, it's this other idea that it's all mechanistic and you can teach people along a straight line. And he argues that, you know, education isn't mechanistic. It's all organic. All you have to do is to create the right conditions and it will happen. So, yes, he's, he's one of my big mm. favourites yeah. as well. Yeah. And... Um, his website, just mentioned, is sirkenrobinson.com and he's got his mission on, on that website. It's to transform the culture of education and organisations with a richer conception of human creativity and intelligence. And the reason why this is important, we're not just talking about education, we're actually talking about the employees of the future, the business leaders of the future. How can we expect to get innovation and growth in creativity into organisations if we're training children to to just mechanistically answer tests and, and to, you know, to achieve in that sort of way? So big thumbs up from me with Ken Robinson. Yeah, same here. So we finish the show normally with quotes. There were very many quotes. I found it quite difficult. But um, I'll give um, one that I picked out, which basically underlines what I've just said about businesses. Ken Robinson says, if you're running an engineering or finance company, all companies depend on ideas and ingenuity. I think the principles of creative leadership apply everywhere, whether it's an advertising company or whether you're running a hospital. Okay, yes, there are loads. Um, Can I have two? Go on then. Right, one, for most of us, the problem isn't that we aim too high and fail. It's just the opposite. We aim too low and succeed. I think that is very powerful. And this one that uh, I absolutely adore. Human resources are like natural resources. They're often buried deep. You have to go looking for them. They're not just lying around on the surface. You have to create the circumstances where they show themselves. Excellent. Well, I I think uh, you you won't be short of things to read or to listen to if you go and just do a search for Kenneth Robinson. We will put links to all these things on our website, thebusiness.community. And that's all we've got time for today. You've been listening to The Business Community with me, Tracy Jones. And me, Heather Noble. Join us again next week for more news, views and reviews from the world of business.